0: Welcome to the Good Money Habits Podcast, where we marry financial literacy with tips from the experts on how to develop good money habits. Knowing what your options are when it comes to your finances is one thing, how to change your habits and translate the knowledge into action and results is quite another. If this is a new focus for you, we suggest you start with the Foundation Series episodes. Throughout this podcast series, we will meet and interview experts from across the finance field. Where they will share their insights and tips for success we are all about helping people gain financial stability to live a better life this podcast is brought to you by lighthouse capital it is important to understand that today's episode is of a general nature and doesn't take into account your personal objectives financial situation or needs and may not be appropriate for you
1: hello and welcome back to good money habits this is julia shortinghouse In today's today's podcast, we're exploring the basics of estate planning, things like establishing a will, enduring powers of attorney and enduring powers of guardianship. I'm absolutely delighted to be joined today by my peer and very good friend, Trish Prince, who, just to be clear, is not a lawyer, but is a senior financial planner from Fitzpatrick's Private Wealth. Trish is a specialist in facilitating estate planning and having personally witnessed her work on countless occasions helping her clients in this space, she brings a wealth of both personal and professional experience to the table. Trish, welcome to Good Money Habits.
2: Hi Jules, nice to be joining you today.
1: Trish, before we get into the nuts and bolts of estate planning, something I've noticed over the years is that this can tend to be an area that can be understandably quite challenging for people for a whole myriad of reasons. Perhaps the most obvious being that contemplating what's going to happen if you lose capacity or die is simply not something we want to be thinking about. And for those with children, of course, contemplating the future care or guardianship of our children is also naturally quite confronting and therefore something that I find many people tend to put off. Trish, is this something that you've observed as well?
2: Yeah, we we all naturally try to avoid dealing with the inevitable when it comes to these things. People think estate planning is only for the wealthy or for blended families or people with complex family structures. Really, anyone with a home, a super fund, a bit of insurances, a bank account or a debt may actually want to have a say around where your assets go. Um, I, I haven't yet met anyone who said, yeah, let's let the state decide who gets what.
1: Yeah, no doubt, and acknowledging that this is a challenging area for many, it's also a really critical aspect of people's financial affairs that simply needs to be addressed. I admit that I also found it quite challenging, but I tackled it from the perspective that I just didn't want to leave a mess for those that I would leave behind, and Trish, I know that this is something that you strongly agree with, and having personally experienced firsthand both the fallout of not having things in place versus ensuring things that are in order – uh, now, you've previously shared with me um, that when you were in your teenage years, your father sadly passed away from cancer. Do you mind talking me through what happened there?
2: Um, yeah, so my dad, he had a will. There was no proper advice, no proper planning. Uh, there was no conversation around the water. If wrong people ended up in control, uh, there was no real oversight. My mother was not taking care of the way she should have been. Banks basically had the last say. Uh, effectively leaving my siblings and I disinherited as as he passed away. I was young, but I knew there had to be a better way of doing it.
1: So I'm guessing that this experience at such a young age no doubt forged your keen interest in this area and has perhaps led you to become a specialist in this space. So having had that experience with your dad and witnessing the impact on your family, I know that you made sure that you had your affairs in order with your own family but tragically, in 2017, you and your family were once again confronted with the situation of having a loved one diagnosed with a terminal illness when your husband, Michael, was diagnosed with a tumour in his lung. Do you mind sharing your story with me about that?
2: Yeah, so um, Michael was diagnosed in 2017 with melanoma, our three-and-a-half-year-old daughter. Um, you know, it was, it was incredibly stressful. Uh, once the shock settled in, um, we had to consider his wishes um, to in- ensure money was there for her. I knew... Um, oh, can I just... Have, sorry, sorry.
1: No, not at all, Trish.
2: Um, he basically had said, look, I know you'll take care of everything, but when it came to estate planning, when I actually mapped out what, he, what the options were, we changed our documents twice that year. Yeah. Once he actually... had a a chance to understand what his options were. It was very difficult um, knowing the bird and what he was leaving behind. Trish, um, it's
1: been an incredibly difficult time in your life and um, obviously talking about it brings up a lot of emotion. Um, It certainly brings home how important it is for people to take the time to work through estate planning And the emotional cost of not doing so adds so much additional burden at the worst possible time that can be avoided. So I can see that we're both uh, teetering on the edge here emotionally, so perhaps we might change tack a little bit and and shift onto slightly safer emotional territory and start to talk talk through some of the nuts and bolts um, of estate planning. So to kick off with, um, in your mind, what are the basics of estate planning?
2: Okay, so... It's around considering and planning who gets control of what assets and how you get peace of mind about taking care of the people you leave behind. It's not just about getting a will in place. It's about considering who's in control when you pass or lose capacity. This person or people are your legal personal representative, i.e. your executor of your will or your appointed attorney. Okay, so just to decipher a little bit of the jargon there, what is the legal personal representative role? Okay, so a legal personal representative is commonly known as the executor. This is the person appointed by either yourself in a valid will or by the courts under letters of administration if you die without a will. Their role is to find all the money, find all the debts, deal with the banks, deal with the ATO and then consider who gets paid what and in what form.
1: So another thing that's important to consider I imagine is deciding very carefully who should be the executor of your will. What sort of things should people take into account there?
2: only ever include someone you trust who will follow your wishes. doesn't always have to be the person who's best with paperwork. You can get help with that part of the job. They just need to have good intentions and to follow your wishes. You should always consider what I call backups. What if you and your spouse die together at the same accident? You need to think of worst case scenarios when planning effective estate documents.
1: Yeah, it's the last thing we want to be thinking about, of course, but backups is um, is a crucial element here. And taking that a little bit further, um, what does happen if somebody actually dies without a will?
2: Okay, I'll answer like a lawyer. It depends. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so it actually depends on which state you lived in, where you died. It depends on um, where your assets were. It depends on how much your estate is worth. Um, and it actually depends on the relationships um you have with people as to who can actually um, step in and take over what roles. Uh, Basically the state law prescribes who gets what. Uh, They can accept an application of probate for someone to step into the role under the letters of administration.
1: So this is a really good example of why getting things in place can help to ensure that you don't leave a mess behind for others. What are some of the other things that might
2: prompt someone to get a will? Okay, if you do nothing else, if you have children at least get a valid will to say who you want to take care of them. Inside a will, it's called a guardianship of minor or vulnerable children. Again, you need to consider adding backups. These, pe- these can be the people who you trust to have legal authority over everything you do with their lives. It doesn't have to be the same people who control the money. So
1: on that note, let's talk the money side then. Another important aspect of estate planning is considering how your money transfers to the next generation. What about if children inherit assets, what sort of things need to be considered in that in that lens?
2: Okay, most people don't know money invested in minors or children's names have tax applied at the top marginal tax rate which is 47%. So not, not ideal then? No, not great. <laughs> um, after the first $416 odd. With proper planning, you can reduce this to nil or at least to a lower overall tax rate, depending on how you want your affairs in order. As I've mentioned, estate planning is not just for the wealthy. It's about making some good decisions. Use the available laws available to, to minimise taxation. Good estate planning considers protecting what you have worked so hard for and deciding who gets what money. I often get my clients to consider funding for those left behind. If there isn't enough money, you need to think about that as well. In my field, we often, often talk about asset protection, keeping money away from the others that, that would bleed the family bloodline, protect vulnerable people who need help from themselves. <laughs> <laughs> you know, um, We often consider introducing things called testamentary discretionary trusts uh, or maybe considering the use of child pensions.
1: Yeah, these um, are things that come up a lot as advisors for us and a question I often do get asked is, are there things I can do to keep things within the bloodline or inheritance within the bloodline? So there's some interesting comments there, Trish. So lots of things to consider. Um, Another thing that people may not be aware of is that not all assets automatically go to your estate. Can you talk through those that don't automatically flow through?
2: Okay, so anything that's a joint asset automatically becomes the ownership of the surviving person. The most common asset being the family home, mm-hmm. a joint bank account. Another example is superannuation. You can actually make a direction called a binding death nomination. A lot of people may have think they've got this in place. However, it actually needs to be valid and accepted by the by the super fund to remain valid. Um, we often can direct this away from the estate. That allows you to actually keep it away from different people if you you think your estate's going to be attacked. Uh, if you've got a blended family situation, you may want to plan who gets what pots of money. Another example is family trusts. They're entities that live for themselves for up to 80 years. In South Australia, special little state, uh, they're actually indefin- indefinitely. Um, but it also depends on who who and what the trust seeds, seed says. Um, what outstanding loans are there? This is a key component to any good estate planning. You need to have a specialist who understands these implications. So it sounds like
1: once you start to really dig into this space, it becomes evident that there's quite a lot here. Um, And my view here, I guess, is that this is where financial planners can play a key role Given our extensive knowledge of our clients, it puts us in a really good position to get the ball rolling on estate planning. And the way many of us approach it is collaborating with other specialists for the best possible outcome. So in that way, we can act, if you like, as the fact gatherer, and mentor where the lawyer designs the plan itself. Um, and we can then assist with interpreting it because it's, it's come out, you know, a lot of jargon, a lot of co- quite complex concepts that come into play. So as financial planners, we can help to interpret it all to be understandable, which um, is a key element of what we do really.
2: Yeah, exactly. It's, it's what we do naturally. We understand this as part of our role to support our clients. Estate planning is a natural extension of financial planning. However, the process involves detailed information and the need to engage specialist legal advice, but done collaboratively. Lawyers that do wills often want to work with respective financial planners with the client's full, I guess, situation mapped out and make sure that they actually understand the implementation of, of the instructions in the documents.
1: Yeah, some really good thoughts there. And Trisha state planning extends beyond establishing a will. So can you explain um, what an enduring power of attorney is and when someone
2: may need to use it? Okay, so enduring power of attorney are the legal documents that give someone else the authority to act with anything financially you can do yourself. So think about it. You open a bank account. You want to sell a property. You want to talk to the ATO, to Centrelink. They're state-based. They're called different things in different jurisdictions jurisdictions, but here in WA, this is how they work. So an enduring power of attorney is enduring in nature, meaning that they're valid once you sign them and they're witnessed correctly. Importantly, they're still valid if you've deemed to lose capacity.
1: So could you give me an example of how or when one might be used?
2: Yeah, so when my husband was in the ICU, I was able to act with authority to access the accounts in the bank account in his name. After his passing, I made sure I have two people in my family tree who are able to do the same in case I ever get sick or and lose capacity.
1: So what would have happened in that case if you didn't have that document in place?
2: I would have actually had to apply for the State Administration Tribunal, called SAT, to get appointed and have authority to access the money to his account. This would have been ridiculously stressful, time-consuming, you know, considering I wasn't leaving your side in the ICU and didn't really have spare time to hang out at the courts, it would have been a nightmare.
1: The very last thing you needed um, at that time in your life. Yeah. So another document um, that's probably important to discuss here is an enduring power of guardianship. Can you talk through what they are and when they might be used or
2: needed? Okay. So enduring power of guardianship are used only once doctors sign off and confirm that you've actually lost capacity. And they give the personal people authority about your healthcare and your lifestyle Things like where you live, who you socialise with, what medical appointments you attend. A common example is if someone gets dementia. When Michael was in the ICU, so was out of it, I had to actually authorise some medical tests in order to determine the next steps for treatment. The doctors didn't have to worry about consulting other family members in order to get the next decision. It's stressful enough Mm -hmm. without confusing the doctors as to who they need to get the instructions from.
1: Yeah, so another really good example of why having these things in place is really essential, really to avoid conflict in times of stress as well and, and conflict that can be avoided with good planning. So estate planning is very clearly not a cookie-cutter or tick-box approach. What are some of the other considerations people need to think about or do you think about?
2: Okay, so I was lucky uh, when I started out in this in this journey to be taught to think about, people in a family tree. So I was taught to think about how they get along. Who still gets financial help? Who matters? Who do we trust? This helps me to help my clients consider who should be included when they're considering considering things like beneficiaries. Who do we trust in important roles if you're gone? Who should work with who? The list is endless. It's actually about relationships. Estate planning is all about considering people, not just documents.
1: So, ultimately, you're trying to make sure that should you pass away or lose capacity, that your objectives or your wishes are fulfilled. So, Trish, before we wrap up, what would be your
2: number one tip for people listening today? There's more to estate planning than just legal documents. Yes, get a will, but get good advice about your options. Trust me, for those (laughs) left behind, it bloody matters.
1: So if people are looking for reliable information or resources, where would you suggest they head to?
2: Okay, so a a starting point would be Google Citizens Advice Bureau in your state. Uh, There's the ASIC money website. Um, For those feeling like they need more guidance from a professional, if you've got a financial advisor, ask them if they understand the space. And if not, ask if they know someone in their field who does. You can shop around.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Trish, um, you're one of the most courageous people I know. Um, Thank you for joining me today. I think by sharing your story, it really does drive home um, just how important this area is. And thank you also for sharing your expertise in this area. If one word comes to mind when I think of you, it's meticulous. Um, You know, you've um, had an incredible journey so far. And if I may um, say so, I know that uh, Michael would be very proud So thank you for today.
2: Thanks, Jules.
0: That was another episode of Good Money Habits brought to you by Lighthouse Capital. A reminder that this episode was general in nature and doesn't take into account your personal objectives, financial situation or needs and therefore may not be appropriate for you. It is recommended that you seek professional advice before making any significant financial decisions. If you want to find out more, this podcast series is available on Apple Podcasts or head to www.lighthousecapital.com.au.